Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us today, I want to give just a couple of quick announcements before we get going. First is when in terms of ging, ging, wow, of getting connected, uh, do me a favor. When you came in, you received something like this that had a paper connection card in it. Uh, there's two ways you can do that. You can fill that card out, or you can do what we call it, is text to connect. That information will be coming up on the screen. Uh, you send VICTORY18 to the number 31996, and that's going to send you a digital version of that connection card. Uh, and obviously, if you're online, that's the way to do that. But if you're with us today in person, whether you do it the text to connect way or you fill out the card after service, if you'll go to our, um, our, our welcome center, right there, the blue rug welcome center, uh, show them either the proof on the phone that you did it or the card that you have, give them that, and they have a special gift for you. And it's just our way of saying thank you so much for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. We know you could be doing a lot of things, and uh, it's a privilege to have you here with us today. Also, in terms of giving, if you're looking for a way to give to our church, we do that in three ways as well. We do it through our online portals, our website, our app. You can also text to give as well as that information has come up on the screen. And then when you leave today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket in case you're wanting to give in cash or check. And again, just thank you to all of you that support uh, Victory faithfully every month. And again, as you're joining the church or beginning to come to the church, you say, hey, I really love what God's doing there. I want to support it. I want to give. I want to pay my tithes. That's the way you can do that. I always try to take a second and just kind of share a little bit about where our finances are going and what they're doing in our community. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to every person that supplied a trunk last week. Come on, can we just give them a hand? Thank you so much. Uh, it was just an incredible, incredible time. We were able to serve our community. Every kid, even the ones that came late, were able to walk away with buckets full of candy. And so that was because of you and because of your faithfulness. Thank you for that. Uh, and then soon, very soon, hopefully probably even next week, I'll be sharing with you what we're going to do in our Christmas outreaches and how you can be involved in that. Um, also, as you, when you came in, you got our, our new updated brochure for the next couple of months, and it does have some information in it. They have changed, so if you've had the one for the past couple of weeks, the information has changed. You've got the information of the series we're starting next week, our Purpose Prevails year, in, uh, year end of the year offering on December 5th. It's also got, pay attention to our December hours, our December service times, because that Christmas weekend we'll have a Christmas Eve service, but we will not have a service on that Sunday morning. So just pay attention to some of those details. It also has growth track, um, our next growth track, actually, actually our final growth track for the year is on November 21st. So if you're looking to get in growth track, make plans for that now, November 21st. Right after service, we won't have one in December, obviously, as we're getting ready to focus on the holidays and so on. Amen? Amen. You ready for the word? Yeah. I did say I had a big announcement today. Y'all remember that? I mentioned that. Um, and so I'll share that real quick before we get in. Starting soon, we are going to have decaf coffee. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Man, thank y'all for coming today for this announcement. Just make sure you put that on Facebook. People are going to freak out. I'm just kidding. That's not the announcement, but I am going to share it later, not right now. So <laughs> you got to hear the sermon now, okay? Uh, so if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 16. I lied to you last week. I told you we were done with Acts for a season so that we could focus on the holidays and so on, and I really thought I was. And then with this announcement, I felt like God wanted me to show you something in Scripture in preparation for it. So it just so happened that Acts 16 was where we needed to stay. So this will actually be our last Sunday in the book of Acts until sometime in 2022. We'll pick it back up and finish it as a church. But we're going into some holiday messages and some focuses and so on, getting us ready for the new year. But Acts chapter 16, we're going to pick up at verse 35. Now, 
in case you weren't here last week, let me just really give you some information you're going to need to know. Paul and Silas are put into prison for sharing the gospel. Um, and then in the middle of the night, they've been beaten. They are praising God while they are chained in prison. And God comes and sets them free, he shakes the foundations of the prison. He, he, he throws open the gates. He releases the chains from them. And they're leaving. But then they find out that if they leave, the guard that was responsible for guarding them will be killed. So they stay, and they actually end up leading the guard and his family to the Lord. They baptize them, and they actually end up putting them in a position with a woman named Lydia to start the Philippian church. So that's what we talked about last week. That's going to be important for you to know here in a moment. So Acts 16, verse 35, we'll read, and then we'll get into it. Verse 35, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. It's funny that you can release them when they're actually already free. But the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul responded to the officers and he said, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly? No. There's a version that I love where he says, certainly not. I love that. Let them, oh, I lost my verse. Let them come themselves and escort us out. And the officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed because they would have needed to go by certain protocol and they didn't. So they would have been in trouble. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters, in other words, those that were going to start the Philippian church, and they encouraged them. Then they left. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning from the idea, stay surprisable. Look at the person beside you. Tell them, stay surprisable. If you know anything about me, if you've been at Victory for any amount of time, you would know that I hate surprises. I hate them with everything in me. They are from the devil. No one should ever. Surprise parties are terrible. Surprise information is terrible. Someone who would lead you on with a big announcement is terrible. Like surprises are just, they're terrible. I hate them. I hate everything about them. Um, and so, you know, Darla knows that, and, and we've had certain seasons in our life where she's had to learn that from me, and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out why. I, I've processed, I've gone to counselors, I've tried to figure out why don't you like surprises, and there's two reasons I really think. One is because I'm a planner. I don't know about you, but I have my entire week, like I have all next week planned out to the time. Like I could tell you where I'm going to be Wednesday at 3.30 if you'll give me about two minutes. Like it's already planned out. So when somebody tells me a surprise, it throws off my plan and it frustrates me. Okay. That's reason number one. Reason number two that I've come to the conclusion is this. If somebody surprises me, there's a chance that what they want me to do, I'm not going to like. Right? Like where are we going to eat? It's a surprise. No, it's not. And it won't be, because if we get there and I don't like it and all they have is vegan food, sorry, just personal moments here on the on stage. You know, I, I need, I, you know, what are we going to do? It's a date night. What are we going to do? It's a surprise. No, it's not a surprise because the things that you like aren't necessarily the things I like. So to you, it's an exciting surprise. And to me, it's terrible, Right. So I'm learning, like, this is why I don't like surprises. But, but there's been a few surprises in my life that, 
Darla has been a part of probably most of them, that I, I really enjoyed. Like, like, for some reason, it was a different situation, and I just enjoyed the entire thing. For an example, uh, Darla and I were watching a video on this just last night, but when we were getting ready to move here to plant the church, we had been extremely busy. We were renovating our house, putting a new floor in our house, all this so we could turn around and sell it. We had been meeting with the lead team that moved here, trying to process what it was going to be like to totally remove our lives as we know and move here. We had been working on getting the church, the 501c3, uh, you know, identification and all these different things, and it was just exhausting. And it was coming up on Easter, and we had not been able to do what we wanted to do on an Easter for 17 years because we had been on staff at a church. So every Easter we were there. And so it was the first Easter that we weren't on staff at a church since I was pretty much saved. And so it was one of those things like, hey, we're just going to get away. We're going to get away with the in-laws and the kids. We're going to do some egg hunting. We're going to love Jesus. And we're going to kind of refresh and get refocused. So we were going to the lake. That was the plan. We were going to go to the lake. Her mom has, uh, her family has some property on the lake. We were headed that way. I'd gone to the gym. I came back, picked Darla up. We were headed that way. I think it was a Saturday or Friday. And on the way there, I stopped to get gas. And I go into the gas station, get some gas and some, some donuts, because that's what you do. And I came back. That's why you go to the gym. And so I came back, got in the car. And, and she goes, hey, before you start the car, I need to tell you something. And that's never good, okay? And for a guy who doesn't like surprises, it's really bad, right? And, so, and for a guy who doesn't want any more kids, it's really bad, you know what I mean? And so uh, I'm like, what? What are you going to tell me? So she hands me this envelope, and, and I read through it, and here's what it says. It says, you're not going to the lake, but you are going somewhere. We're going to the airport. And I'm like, what? And come to find out, this whole thing about us going to the lake was a lie. And what is happening is her and I are going to the airport. We love to go to Orlando, to Universal Studios, and that whole deal. So that's where we were going. I'm like, well, where are the kids going? And she's like, they're with, going to be with Mama and Poppy. And I'm like, well, are they going to the lake? And she's like, no, they're not going to the lake. The whole thing was a lie. They're just staying home. And I'm like, these people are going to watch our kids for three days. Are we going to eat for? I was my, and in the video, we watched it last night, I start crying. Like, I, I was so emotionally moved by it. Even though it was a surprise, I was so happy because I needed it. And the more I follow God, the more I learn this. There's a difference in liking surprises and needing one. There's just a difference in whether or not you like a surprise or even want a surprise and needing a surprise. It takes faith. One of the reasons it takes faith to follow God is because God's strategy for our life, listen to me, will always come packaged with a few surprises. That's just a guarantee. I know you may not like it. You may be somebody who loves surprises. My wife loves surprises, and because I hate them, I never do them, okay? So it's a real awkward situation. So even if you're one who loves surprises, let me help you understand that when it comes to God's strategy for your life, God's script for your life, his plan for your life, it is going to be packaged with a few surprises, things that you didn't plan, things that you didn't expect, things that you would not have written into the script, because as we talked about last week, God's thinking is beyond your understanding. And if I'm not careful, this is just me, it may not be you, if I'm not careful, I will find myself working God out of the equation just to keep out surprises. You ever been there? Thankfully, I know you don't want to admit it, but I know I'm not alone in this room, where there have been situations in my life where if I can move this and move that, I'll actually work God out of it, because if God's in it, then it's going to be a surprise. But I want it to go by my script. 
if you've ever followed God, you know what it's like to be like, I started following God, and then surprise, we, he's moving us, right? We're going, I started following God, surprise, I'm quitting this job. Started following God, surprise, I got this job. Started following God, surprise, this relationship's over. Started following God, surprise, this relationship's starting. I was just processing the families that moved here with me. I hit them with like a triple-double surprise. Like you're quitting your job, you're leaving your family, you're moving to a place you've never known, you're starting a church that doesn't even exist. Like it was all of these surprises because when you follow God, you are saying yes to being surprised. Sometimes the best thing for our plan is a God interruption. Sometimes the best thing, like you got your plan and you're excited about it, and yet the best thing for it is a God interruption. Because again, there's a certain lid you've put on it. There's a certain level you're trying to get to, and God says, listen to me, I have so much more for you, so I have to break it. And so I wanted to set this up by asking you a question, and I want you to marinate it on it more this week than right now, but, but let it sink into your heart right now. Does God have permission to surprise you? The God of the universe, your Lord and Savior, the one who has put together the steps that you'll take before you were even born, knows how many hairs are on your head. The one who spoke and the world came into existence. Does that God have permission to surprise you? Or is your desire that God would just stick to the script? Where, where are you right now? Are you in a season in your life where God can surprise you, where you're literally like, God, hey, whatever you want to do, surprise me. It's you, God, do what you want to do. Or are you one of those that are a little bit more like, hey, God, do you, but go by my script. You know what I mean? Like, be God, but do what I say kind of thing. Like, like I wrote out the plan. Do what I say. Let's go back to Acts chapter 16. This is what stood out in chapter 16 that made me even go down the rabbit hole of this idea. So we're going to read it. I'm going to explain it to you. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent the officers to the jailer with the order. Now, this is what they're telling Paul and Silas. Release those men. All right? The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in what? Peace. Now, here's what confused me about that. Paul and Silas are not imprisoned. They're not imprisoned. They are in prison because they chose to be there. But their chains are broken. The, sh the foundations have been shaken. The gates are wide open. They're just chilling in prison so that the guard doesn't get killed. And yet these people had the audacity to come in and say, now you can leave. And then here's what I learned. That protocol would have said, the script that they would have been going by as officers would have been that Paul and Silas would have been released that morning. Okay, so let's rewind. At night, they're in prison. It's midnight, and they're singing hymns to God. That next morning, by protocol, they would have been released. Protocol would have said arrested, beaten, put in jail, released the next day. That was, that was just the pattern. That's what would have happened. So had they followed the script, they would have been released from prison the next day. So here's what I read when I read that. I read the officers coming in, and they want Paul and Silas to ignore the miracle that God has done and just stick to 
the script. Hey, hey, I know God's freed you. I know that you're sitting in prison because you want to be in prison. I know that the walls aren't there anymore. The chains aren't on you anymore. I know that God has done something miraculous in your life. But do me a favor. Can we just walk out here and pretend like it never happened? Can you just put these, just put your hands behind your backs for a second. And let's just walk out and let's pretend. Let's tell everybody that this whole thing went exactly as we planned. Let's ignore what God wants to do, and let's just act like it went exactly like we planned. Cool? And it made me wonder, if ever in my life I missed out on a God moment because of the serenity of my script, I wanted to keep the peace of my plan. Was there ever a time where I just kind of said, hey, God, can we just pretend like you're not doing that and just stick to my script. We know it, but I'd rather just kind of go through with it as we planned. I don't ever want my obsession with my script to put me in a place where I get frustrated with God's surprises. You need to hear it again. I don't ever want to become so obsessed with my script that I am frustrated with God's surprises. You ever been frustrated with God? I know you have. Y'all better start talking to me. I know that much. I know, I, I know. I've been there. I've been frustrated with God because he didn't go by my plan. I know it happens because I see it in Scripture. Rem- remember when the disciples had this whole plan? Jesus was going to speak to 5,000 men. The Bible says their women and their children. So theologians say somewhere between 15,000 to 20,000 people were in attendance. And Jesus is getting ready to speak. The disciples know it. And disciples say, all right, we got a plan. Here's the plan. Jesus is going to speak. But once it starts getting late, we need to stop Jesus from speaking. And we need to send everybody home. Okay, because people need to have time to travel and get something to eat. We don't have a Chick-fil-A. We don't have any kind of fast food here. So Jesus, Jesus, you can talk. But then once it gets to that certain, you know, we got we got we'll fall back an hour. We got daylight saving. Like you need to let those people go. But surprise, Jesus talked too long. Remember that and frustrated their plan. There was this one time where Lazarus got sick, and and Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and his sister Martha had this great plan. She was like, I can call Jesus, and I can put the pressure on Jesus by reminding him that Lazarus is the one he loves, and I can get him to get here in time. He can stop the ministry he's doing, and he will run here so that he can heal, maybe bring some Robitussin or something, and be able to heal Lazarus so that this is all over. So she gets a message to Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus chose to wait. Surprise! Jesus shows up late, and he frustrates Martha's plan. There was another time the disciples are on a boat with Jesus. Well, I'm sorry, not with Jesus. They're on a boat. And all of a sudden, the storm comes through, and it's scary, and they're worried. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus on the water. First thing, it's a ghost, and they realize it's Jesus. And their plan is, hey, Jesus, won't you just come on and get in the boat? (laughs) Come on and get in the boat, and you can handle this. And surprise, Jesus says, no, why don't you get out of the boat and come walk to me? And they frustrate Their plans are frustrated. I I thought about some of these, and listen to me. Jesus is the son of God, right? He's the son of God. We're, We're clear on that, which means 
that he could have made arrangements to avoid these surprises. He knew he was going to preach that long. Couldn't he have told the disciples, hey, we need to make 20,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> get some brown bags. Right? Get them quarter bag of Cheetos. Pack them up because I'm not going to allow you to limit my teaching based off of them needing food. So let's just pack some sandwiches. Look, all my mom's in here. How many times have you gone somewhere on a trip with your kids and you made a snack in preparation? Raise your hands. Yes, because you're godly and you're smart. Jesus is the son of God. You don't think he could have made a sandwich and grabbed some squeezy pouches or a Lunchable or something? You don't think that when Martha called him, Jesus could have sent, I don't know, Paul or Peter with some travel Robitussin? Like, just go, 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 go help him. You don't think Jesus could have stopped what he was? Look, there were times when Jesus was here and then would like appear here. You don't think he could have just like snapped his fingers and been where Lazarus was and found, he could have done something on the boat with the disciples. You don't think he could have stopped the storm? You don't think? Look, how many times? Now, my men, I talked about my ladies, my men. How many times have you been planning something? And before you put, if it's an, especially if it's an outside, fishing, camping, whatever, what's the first thing you check? The weather. Why? Because you don't want that to mess up your plans. Because you, my friend, are godly and you are smart. And you don't think that Jesus, the Son of God, might have went, hey, before we get in this boat, has anybody checked the little weather app on your iPhone? Let's just make sure there's no storms, because we can always travel tomorrow. You know what I mean? I'm the Son of God. We can do what we want. He could have avoided all of these surprises. But here's the secret. God likes surprises. Why? Because... The very fact that Jesus didn't bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches led to the disciples seeing a miracle happen right in their hands. And because he didn't prepare for the surprise, they watched as God used them to take a boy's lunch and feed 20,000 people. If Jesus doesn't let a surprise happen, the miracle doesn't happen. If they plan for it, it just looks like great planning. But because it was a surprise, it's a miracle that leads people to Jesus. Because he showed up late to Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. And Jesus performed this Michael Jackson thriller music video where he came out with the whole end, 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 right? And people get so freaked out. And the Bible says that everybody there turned to God. Had he shown up when Lazarus was in the living room couch and healed his cold, nobody would have heard about it. But because it was a surprise, it became a miracle and people got saved. If Jesus says, hey, don't get on that boat because there's a storm coming, go tomorrow, Peter never walks on water. I want you guys to understand that the reason why God's strategy has to come with a few surprises is because it's in the middle of God's surprises that we find miraculous. It's in the middle of a God surprise where you realize you could do something you never thought you could do. 
Because if you went by your plan, you don't know this yet, but you are automatically putting self-limitations on you in your plan. You have limited yourself to do things because you don't think you can do them. So you situate your plan around it because you know, I can do this, so you plan it. I can't do this, so it's not in the plan. And God says, you don't understand that when I'm in you, you can do all things. And so I have to get outside of your plan so that you'll do something miraculous outside of what you think you can do. This is why God has to surprise us. The real challenge in faith is not for you to be certain. It's for you to remain surprisable. I would almost tell you that the hardest thing for you as a believer, especially the older you get, is to remain surprisable. And I don't mean, oh, I've seen everything. I'm not surprised. I mean, oh, I don't want to be surprised. I'll just walk away from that so that I'm not. Darla knows I hate surprises. And so she finds out that a couple, I don't remember how long ago it was, but some friends of ours are going to drive through town and they want to show up and surprise me and say hi. So they call Darla. They don't know that I hate surprises. They're finding out now. Um, <laughs> and, and they call Darla, and they let Darla know, you know, what's going on. And it's this whole plan. And I, don't, I think it might have been a Friday or a Monday or something. And so, you know, we're just kind of, I think it was a Monday. We're coming off of, of the Sunday experience and, you know, all that recovery. And Darla finds out they're coming, and now she's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Because she knows I either let him be surprised, and he's mad at me and miserable, or I tell him this is going to happen, and he's not surprised, but he's happy. <laughs> and so she's, she comes and tells me. She says, I just want to let you know, so-and-so is going to come through. They're going to surprise you. They think they're going to surprise you. And she says, so when they get here, act what? Surprised. You ever tried to act surprised? <laughs> it's like tickling yourself. You can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, try right now to tickle yourself. It doesn't work. You're not surprised. Like, here's my, you ready? It's my surprise. <gasps> That's why I don't ever look like that when I'm really surprised. When I'm really surprised, I'm like, you know what I mean? But, but I had to act surprised. So I had to gear all that up, you know? And then I'm, I'm like, and it, it took a lot longer for them to get there than they were supposed to. She was like, they're like 15 minutes away. Like an hour later, they came, right? So they knock on the door, and I'm like, hey, what a surprise. And it's what made me think about we want God, oh, this is so good, please get this. We want God to go by our script, and we tell him, we'll act surprised. Right? Hey, God, can you just do my plan? And I promise you, when we get around people, I'll act surprised. Oh, did you see what God did in my life? You already knew he was going to do that. We're not even sure he was involved in that. Because you had it planned, and you provided everything you needed for it. No! When it comes to following God, you cannot act surprised. Because again, some of the surprises God wants to bring you is on the other side of your healing and transformation. And it's the kind of surprises that change you from the inside out. And you cannot act that. The officers told Paul and Silas, let's walk out of this prison and you just... You act like God didn't set you free. You act like God didn't answer your prayers. You act like God didn't shake 
the foundation of that jail cell as you were singing, I'll fly away, oh glory. Act like those, those gates didn't fly open and those chains didn't fall. Can you just act like it? See, here's why surprises are so important. Because the key to a God's surprise is to remind you that you aren't in control after all. And that's why we hate them. Because that's what they remind us of. Because a lot of times what happens is we get saved and in that immediate experience with God, we understand that we're not in control. And then the more that we develop our relationship with God, the more we try to take over control. And then we get to a point where we think we got this, right? Like, man, I'm good, I'm good. Matter of fact, this is a lot of the problem with us and our faith is we're trying so much to do it on our own that when we do fail, we're overcome by being condemned. Well, again, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's trying to let you know, hey, quit trying to be in control. You'll enjoy this a lot much more if you'll just let go needing to be in control. You'll enjoy following God a lot more if you'll let go needing to be in control. The author of Hebrews, I thought you might find this interesting, wrote this. In Hebrews 12, chapter, or chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him that endured the cross, scorning its shame, and so, I gave you the wrong verse, my bad, and sit down the right hand of the throne of God. But there's a verse that goes on to say that Jesus is the author of, and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So here was my thought. You ready? When it comes to our life, God is the author, not us. When it comes to your plan, God is the author, not you. So God will often go against our plan, please hear me on this, to regain ownership of the pen. Because when you start to think you're the author, you take the pen. And God says, well, I'll just make some turns that you weren't expecting so I can take back the ownership of the pen. And then I felt the Spirit of God tell me this, and I got to break it down, and I really hope you get this because it was good for me. He said, whoever has the pen decides the end. See, when an author writes a book, they decide the end of the book. They decide who's going to die, who's going to live. They decide the twist and the turns, the climax, the adventure. They decide because they are the author. So whoever has the pen decides the end. And so therefore, check this out. If it's up to you and I to write our own script, if we're going to hold the pen, then you're responsible for the finale you're responsible for the twist. You're responsible for the climax. You're responsible for who wins and who loses. And here's what I want you to understand. That the absolute greatest ending that you could ever think of is not enough. And this is why he has to remain the author. Because there's endings that you could never dream of. That is the endings that he has planned. But that's why the surprises are important, because he takes back the ownership of the pen. 
And it leads you to this question. When it comes to the script, because we all have scripts. Every one of us have scripts of our life. You got, you, know, you got something you want to happen today. Some of you got plans for this week. Some of you got plans for the next month. We've walked through marriage plans, baby plans, financial plans, retirement plans. You've got a script. So here's the question. You ready? Are you okay if God flips the script? Are you okay with it? Thank you. See, watch this. Go back to Acts 16. Watch this. This is so good. It says, they came to appease them and they escorted, escorted them from prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of prison, where'd they go? Anybody? Lydia's house, where the jailer was and his family who had just been baptized. Watch this. This is so good. The officers thought that they had put an end to the move of God. Man, if y'all would just be quiet and leave this prison and get out of this city, we can stop what God's wanting to do. And the Bible says that they left. So they thought they stopped it. But they actually went to Lydia's house where the jailer and his family were. And they had their very first Philippian church plant interest meeting. And what they thought was stopping the move of God was just the beginning of a move of God. Flip the script. So I had this situation happen to me recently. I need to share it with you. January of 2020, we stood on the stage. Darla and I, Katie Carter was here. I remember I had a Derrick Henry jersey on. We had these balloons that wouldn't fall from the ceiling. <laughs> Y'all remember that, right? And, and we, we praised God because we had this ridiculous vision for 2020. We were going to do this series called Mixtape leading up to Easter. We had already planned it. It was going to be amazing. Nachos and all kinds of cool stuff. And then we were going to teach through. I don't remember what all it was. But then we were going to do at the movies. And it was just going to be this fantastic year. Darla and I were at lunch with Rich and Norma Bird. And I got a phone call. And Principal Wayne said, you know, hey, I think we're going to have to cancel church this Sunday because of this thing, this COVID thing. I said, okay. I got off the phone. Went sat back down. I said, it'd be good. We'll be back open in a couple of weeks. No big deal. Uh, 11 months later, I think, we, we opened back up in January. We were able to open our kids' ministry on Easter. And we've been doing our best, you know, to, to come back to where we were every Sunday. First of all, thank you. Thank you to every one of you that have been faithful to come and serve, and be here, financially support. You're the reason this church is still going. We don't get too carried away. God is, but you know what I'm saying. When I came out of 2020, 2020 was hard for me, real hard, um, uber hard. And there was a verse I stood on that says that God gives good gifts to his children. And he talks about how we give good gifts to our children. And there's bad in us and there's no bad in God. So how much more does he want to give good gifts to his children? I stood on that verse and here was my, I always do illustrations with scripture. Here was my illustration. Father, dad. When I, I told him this in prayer many times. When I'd go to the doctor, my mom would take me to the doctor as a kid. I hated it. I hated the experience. But I could make it through it because at the end, the doctor was going to open that little drawer and let me pick out one of those toys. You know what I'm talking about? And so I always got a reward for going through this torture. And I would walk and pray and say, God, I just believe that you're going to give me a reward for surviving this. Because I thought about hopping a plane a couple times and, you know, being, being out. Like, I was going to be with Carol Baskin's husband. We were just going to get out. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> Gotta stop getting off script. Uh, but we stuck with it. We stuck with it. And we kept praying. And, and, and again, thankful to you, we were strong. And I just kept believing, like, God's going God's to give us something. And at one point, I don't know what happened. At one point, something shifted in me, and I knew it was going to be a home, like, like a permanent location, somewhere that we didn't have to set up and tear down. And, you know, we could put a sign up on the wall, and, and like, you could drive by, and you were going to see our church. You were going to know we were there. I had all these visions of stuff we wanted to do in the community once we had a home and all this. I just knew it. I just knew it. And so, man, I started reaching out to friends. Casey Glisson, uh, Casey Burke, sorry, goes to church here, and she's a realtor, and she's, she's shoving me all this Smyrna location. I'm looking all throughout Smyrna, Antioch, Laverne. I'm looking at every place. I, I mean, if, if you're vacant at any point, I'm trying to get in there. I'm like, I don't care if you have, you know, rice and T-shirts on the side. Like, we're trying to get in here permanently. Because it's nothing like learning that you don't control your church, right? Because at any point, they can just shut you down. And so I'm looking everywhere, and... I mean, hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And at one point, I won't go into the depth of this story, but I found a location. It was an old yard sale USA building in Smyrna, and some stuff happened, and I was like, man, that's it, God. That's it. This is it. And I got all excited about it, and I told the leadership team, pray, pray, pray. This is it. This is it. And I went and met with the guy who owns it, and not only was he wanting way too much money for it, but he was kind of a jerk, and so I was like, you know, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't me. I, don't, I ain't fixing to deal with you for a long time. And I walked away. I was so defeated, church. I was so defeated. And um, at the movies was coming up, and so I was trying to kind of gear up for that, believing that a lot of our church family would return and um, just praying. And Darla came to me. She said, babe, I think you, think you need to read this book I'm reading. I said, what are you reading? She says, a book called Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. If you've ever read it, he talks about just praying circles over whatever it is you're believing for. We're going to study that book in the next couple years. But it's just a phenomenal book. And so I started, you know, reading it and praying. And please understand, Every morning I prayed for this. Every morning. I got the Circle Maker journal, wrote it in the journal, prayed for it. And I started reading the book at the movies that's coming up. I'm reading the book that you should fast. That's what he says. You should fast and pray. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to fast and pray for at the movies. God's going to bring our family back and we're going to get back to what we were doing and growing. And then we'll, we'll get more money and we'll be eventually be able to buy land or whatever. So I'm going to go fast for it. The fast began on a Thursday I never said one prayer for at the movies. Never once. I spent the entire three days praying for this building, for a building, for a building, for a building, for a building, all throughout this fast. And, uh, you know, Sunday comes, and we have at the movies. It's a phenomenal day, great day. A lot of people came back. It was incredible. Went home, rejoiced with what God did, went to bed. Monday morning, I got up, went to the gym. I left the gym. I checked my email, and Miss Erica had forwarded me an email that came through our website over the weekend. And it was a leasing agency. And he had contacted me about a location in Antioch where it was an actual building. It was already a church building. It had been operating as a church, and it was open to rent. I never had anybody contact me about a building. I've always contacted them. So I was so excited. I got him on the phone. I said, hey, man, this is Troy. We start talking. I drive here to the parking lot. I get on GPS to see how far we would be from the building. It's 10 minutes from here, right here, the building is, 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, it's close. And so I start talking to him. He's like, yeah, here's the deal. He said it was a church. It was rocking and rolling. It's a site campus of a big church in Franklin. And, you know, COVID came and just kind of killed it. And they're not, they're not wanting to turn it back into a church. And so it's just sitting empty. But it, he's like, it's fully, fully built out. See, here was the problem. Every place we looked at to rent, we were going to have to build out. So not only was our rent going up, we were going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to build out this to fit a church. This was, this was amazing. I mean, I was literally like, God, 
This is so, wow, you answered it. This is amazing. And right when we got on the phone, he said, oh, and here's what we want a month for it. And I was like, what? It was so much money. And I just felt like a big, like, surprise. <laughs> surprise, you wrong. And so I just dropped it. A couple days go by. I couldn't get it off me, so I drove over to the location tried to go in. It was locked. So I drove around it and just started praying as I drove around. It's in a shopping center where there's a Kroger and different stuff. So I just drove around it and prayed, drove around it and prayed. I parked my car and the church name of the church that currently has it's there. So I called that church. I called their main campus in Franklin. Explained on a voicemail who I was and what was going on and hung up the phone, didn't think about it. About three hours later, I got a phone call and here's how the phone call went. Hi, is Troy there? I said, hey, this is him. And he said, hi, this is Pastor Troy with so-and-so, so-and-so. I said, no, bro, that's my name. He said, it's my name too. So we met for lunch. I'm sitting across from Pastor Troy, who is the guy who oversees this church campus. And we're talking about it, and I'm telling them everything that we want to do. They do food distribution. I'm like, I want to do food distribution so bad. I got so much stuff I want to do in the community, but I can't do it in a, in a portable location. I got so much stuff I want to do. This place is perfect. He says, you want to go see it? I said, let's go see it. And so we go in and we tour it. I'm like, this is amazing. This would be great. This would be great. This would be great. This is like, if I could draw it up, this is what it would be. And I was like, but. I can't afford it. <laughs> He's like, well, I'll tell you what. We went into the auditorium. We sit down on the stage. He said, let's pray right now. I said, let's do it. We prayed right there on the stage of the auditorium. And I got up and I got, I walked to my car, sit down in my car. And I went, cool. <laughs> and then nothing happened. Days go by. I'm kind of keeping the guys on the hook. They're like, yeah, we're interested, man. Send me stuff. Oh, I didn't get your email. Send it again. You know what I mean? Just kind of keeping them on the hook. So then I'm driving through Smyrna, and I see this church that's new to Smyrna. And I said, I want to welcome this pastor to Smyrna. So I call this church's voicemail, and I leave a voicemail for their pastor. He calls me back. I said, can we grab coffee? He said, yes. We grabbed coffee a couple days later. As we're sharing our stories, he used to be the guy who pastored that church in Antioch. I'm like, this is crazy, man. So we become really good friends, and we're sitting there talking. He's like, hey, you want to go to the, my, my, my church in Smyrna? I said, yeah, let's go. So we go. We walk in. And I'm like, man, this is great. Smaller than the building I was looking at, you know, about 2,000 square feet small. I'm like, this is great. And we start kind of sharing our hearts with each other, and he's got some financial struggles. And I go, in my mind, I go, this is it. God sent me to this Antioch campus that I can't afford so I could meet this guy so that we could come in and take over this property for him, relieve him of financial stress. We could meet in here on Sundays. He could rent it from us for free. God, we're your, we're your answer to this guy. Praise God for you and your provision, Lord. And so I we text him, and he's like, hey, you want to meet us? Yes, yeah, meet. So we meet again on a Monday. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like, so I can't wait. I'm going to deliver the best gift he's ever had in his life. I can't wait. I'm God's prophet. <laughs> and so I walk in, and I sit down in the chair, and we, we, we go through all the little, you know, hey, how you doing? And I lay it out for him. And he looks, he's very soft-spoken. He looks at me, and he goes, No. I was like, no, you didn't hear me, bro. Hold on. I think I stuttered. And I start walking back through it. And he goes, Pastor, God chose to give us this building as a gift. And I was like, yeah, but he went to the wrong house, man. Like, I, it's my house. He went to your house. And then as I got ready to leave, he said, hey, just so you know, he said, I have a friend who's on staff at a really large church in Murfreesboro, and they want that Antioch campus, but they cannot find the contact info for anybody who could help them talk to the leasing agency. So he said, if you guys don't end up pursuing it, can you give it to him? 
I said, of course. I said, matter of fact, give him my phone number. We can't afford it anyway. So give him my phone number. I'll give him all the information he wants. He said, okay. 30 minutes later, this guy calls me. Large church in Murfreesboro. I know this pastor. He's a staff pastor. He's telling me all, he's like, man, we want that campus so bad. Da, da, da. He's like, but we cannot, we couldn't find any of the information for the leasing agency and all. He's going on and on and on. And I was like, you know what, man? I don't think that anything's going to happen. I said, but just give me a couple weeks. But if nothing happens, I promise I'll send it to you as soon as we, he said, all right, great, man. Great, great. Just keep me up there. All right, bye. That was, a, that was a Monday afternoon. Tuesday morning, I go to prayer, and I'm praying. Now, I know this is a long story, but stay with me because you have to be sold into this the way I am. You have to hear this the way God told me this. I'm walking through praying, and here was my question to God. Why would you give him that Smyrna location before you give it to us? Why? Why, God? Why, why would you give it to him? I've been here longer. We've been, we've been sitting, why would you give it? And clear as day, the voice of God said, the same reason I'm giving you that Antioch campus before I gave it to them. And I'm like, wait a minute. You ain't giving me an Antioch campus. We were about to start going back to Acts in our study. We had studied at the movies. We'd been preaching at the movies. I remember that. We went right back into Acts. I went home Tuesday. I opened up my Bible, the book of Acts, to start back in Acts chapter 9 because we left off in Acts chapter 8. I opened up to Acts 9 and it says, God sends Paul to Antioch. I'm not messing with you. Y'all can roll with me or not, but I'm telling you, God ain't playing games. I said, there's no way. There's no way, God. We can't afford it. There's no way. It's not going to happen. A couple weeks go by, we have a board meeting up in Clarksville. I'm headed to Clarksville. I'm driving with my dad. My dad was in town. He doesn't know it. I'm praying. I'm not even talking to him. I'm praying. <laughs> like, shut up. Um, and I had just spent some time with a congressman, and I asked the congressman, how do you hear from the word? How do you hear from God? He's a godly man. I said, how do you hear from God? He says, I lay out fleeces. I said, what? Y'all might know what that is. You, you ask God to kind of do something that's biblical. God, have, have dew on the ground, but not on the fleece. Put dew on the fleece, but not on the ground. You get it. So I'm like, okay. So I'm driving down there. I walk in. Here's what I tell the Lord. I'm praying. I said, God, if the board says yes to this, this is you. Because every time I've ever told the board about this, they've said to me, hey, slow down. It's not a big need right now. Slow down. Don't get, don't get carried away. So if they say that again, Father, I'll stop it. I'll drop it 100%. But if they give me any kind of green light, I'm hitting this gas pedal. We sit down. We go through the meeting. I share this story with them. Every one of them in unison say, you need to do it. I start shaking. I'm like, what? Like, I can do it. They're like, Figure it out. Make it happen. Get up. I go get in the car with my dad. I'm like, this is crazy. So we come back. I'm praying. I'm preaching here on Sundays. Praying. Believing. Praying. We take some of our leadership team to the location. We walk around. We look at it. We pray. We cast vision. For about two hours, we sit in the auditorium and we talk through. And then about an hour later, we come up with an amount. And we feel like this amount was good for us. It was half of what they wanted, but I felt like it was good for us. I asked a spiritual father of mine from Memphis to get involved in the negotiations, and we put together an offer, and we sent them the offer. And at that point, you just, all right, God. For four years, People have faithfully given up their Friday night to set up this church so that people could experience the presence of God and then tear down 
We have a couple who has 15 teenagers in their house twice a month. Ministry that wants to happen. You know what we want to do in the community, but we don't have the opportunity, God. It's yours. I trust you. I kept telling friends, like, it's hard to deny what God's doing when these things are happening. Last Monday, they accepted our offer. Surprise! <laughs> our lawyers have looked at the contracts. We've sent back our revisions. The leasing agency says, we don't see any problem. We should sign the contract this week. Uh, we'll move in in the first of the year. We'll finish out this year here, celebrating together. And then we'd move in the first of the year to our home. Our home. So to every person that's set up on a Friday night, surprise! <laughs> Production team that gets here early every morning, surprise! For my worship team that can't practice until Sunday morning, surprise! Surprise! To every nursery worker that's ever served in a room with no air conditioner, surprise! To the youth pastors that got kids in their house because they don't got a space, Surprise! 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 And here's what I felt God tell me. Remember Acts 16? Remember Acts 16? Y'all still with me? None of the food places are good right now. Don't worry. Stay with me. <laughs> Remember how they thought they stopped the move of God? But it was just the beginning? Remember how in 2020, the devil thought he stopped the move of God? It was just beginning. It was just beginning. So here we go. You got that picture for me? Miss Erica put something together for us. Hey, surprise! There you go. Surprise! Surprise, baby! Surprise! Now listen. Hey, stay with me. Everybody stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're fixing the clothes. Two things have to happen as we leave here today. Number one is you have to understand what God's about to do through our church. Statistics say that when a church goes from portable to permanent, it grows by 50%. It doubles. We're moving into a community, and I, I'll talk more about this as it goes on, but we're moving into a community that Nashville is rising up, that's raising it up. There's stuff that's coming in there. We have a huge population of people that we can reach. There's no church like us. Because of some of the things we don't have to do anymore, we now have time to do more things, more discipleship, more relationship building. And as I told you, we have every intention in figuring out some type of food distribution out of our building. We will, we will serve our community the way that we serve Smyrna. We, we won't stop serving Smyrna. I'm still gonna be on every board I'm on. God's about to do something great through us. So be ready. It's just beginning. There's a line in a book I'm reading that says, every miracle God does, he does it so that people can be saved. When I told the directors, 
Jenny Glimp, our nursery director, sent me a text. I wish I would have read it again so I could quote it, but it said something like, I'm so excited about all the people that are going to be saved. That's what this is about. I do believe that God loves us enough to help us stop sitting up on Friday nights. I think he cares. I think he cares that y'all's house is at a point where no, long, no more youth can fit in it. I think he cares for the worship team not being able to practice and never knowing what chords are going to go off and Andrew running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure out how to get stuff. Y'all in the lobby so Andrew can get it going before you can go in. I think he cares about that. I really do. But I think he cares more about the lost people in that area that need Jesus. And that's why we're going. From day one, we've been a church that says you can belong before you believe. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And that's the message we're going to go preach. The grace of God, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Come, be saved, find purpose, find joy. We're here to do that. And God wants to use you to do it. So are you ready? Are you ready? All right, don't get me started now. Look, I'm supposed to close. I'll run off the stage in a second. I need to get a tambourine. (laughs) Here's how I want to end it. I want us to tell God that we are up for his surprises. Can we do that? I'm just telling you right now, you have no idea what God's going to do through you, especially if you're ready. Amen? So let's do this. Close your eyes and just put your hands, however you feel comfortable, put your hands in the air, whether you just put them out like you're holding something, whatever. It's more about your heart, not your hands. But I'm going to say a prayer. And while I'm praying, you just in your own heart, in your own mind, you say what you need to say to God about you being available, about you being surprisable, about you being able to be used so that people can come to know Jesus. Father, I thank you right now. We're going to praise you in just a moment. We're going to thank you. As Paul said, you want me to leave quietly? Certainly not. I can't be quiet right now, Father. I got to shout your faithfulness because when the devil thought he won, Father, he was never in control. When he thought he had quieted something, God, he was only getting ready to see it be louder. And this just proves your faithfulness. And Father, we're here. We believe, we love this church. We love your gospel. We love your message. And we just want to be that to other people. We just want to share the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We want to be a home where people can be healed, where they can find their purpose, where they can belong before they believe so that they can believe and be saved. And so, Father, right now, we just pray for each and every one of us that you would help us to remain available and God's surprisable. We don't know what you want to do. Father, as we were getting ready to move here to plant Victory Church, we we could have never predicted this home in four years thank you father but you're not done you want to do so much more and the only thing that's going to limit you is us so I pray right now that we would just take the lid off and say whatever it is you want to do father whatever it is you want to do through me whatever it is you want to do through my ministry, whatever it is you want to do through my kids, whatever it is you want to do through my family, whatever it is that you have planned so that you can receive the glory and so that people can hear the name of Jesus, Father, do it. 
You know what we need? Father, provide it. You know the, the, the bodies that we need? Father, provide it. You already know what you're going to do. You already see it three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. You already know the lives that are gonna be changed. There are so many people in here right now that I didn't even know four years ago. And they're incredible people whose lives have been changed and you've marked them with anointing. And there are so more, more, more many people out there like that. So Father, anoint us and send us out to do your work. And we'll be available, and we'll be surprisable, and we'll be faithful. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.